Welcome to season 10 of Digital Learning Radio. I'm Catherine and I'm joined by my co-host, Laura. Hi. In this season of the podcast, we're sharing what is inspiring us on our ongoing story of learning. This week is Laura's week to share, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about what has been inspiring her. That's right. And I'm feeling pretty inspired. So stay tuned to learn more. I had so much fun though last week talking about our shared inspirations from Priya Parker, the art of gathering and having some reflections about gathering makeovers and just continued intentionality and transformation in the ways that we gather. So let's circle back to that conversation. Catherine, how have you continued your learning or application of art of gathering? And bonus, if you can go back to the previous week and think about steel like an artist. I'm actually going to start with my steel like an artist takeaways. The first thing is he had in one chapter, he talked about use your hands. Mm-hmm. And if you recall, Laura, I was struggling, like, how am I going to apply this to professional learning? Mm-hmm. And I decided, let me just do these things for myself. So I have one started using paper notebooks again, and I have been all digital the past year or so. And I've got my paper notebooks. I've got my pens out. I've been taking notes with my flare pen. So that's been, (laughs) that's been making me super happy. I have also not really developed a different spot for learning and creating, but I've actually just moved to the opposite side of my desk and worked Mm. on opposite sides, sit in a different chair in my office. So that's one way to get perspective. And then the other thing I've done, he talked about the surroundings and geography is not our master. And so I've just been incorporating so much more movement and picking up the computer and let me go sit by the window in our building. Mm-hmm. Let me go work in this different space. So just thinking about all of the, the spaces. So that's the first um, piece to, I love that the steel, like an artist. So I've got my notebook and my pens out ready to go today, but the super connection is, and we talked about this, the blackout poetry. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did not have a newspaper. I did not have Sharpies, but I did blackout poetry digitally over a page in the book from the art of gathering. So (laughs) nice. Okay. Okay. So I've got my poetry showing it to Laura and here is my takeaway or my sentences. It said leaders urged the group dynamic. The process changed organizers. They listened and the shift occurred in meaningful gatherings. Okay, I love this. Uh, How fun. That's awesome. My takeaway from a gathering makeover conversation is continue modeling this and being Mm -hmm. very transparent about these moves that we're making. And especially when I'm with teams and doing internal training, I am making very clear, deliberate, explicit pointing out these are moves from the art of gathering. So that's how I am 
urging this group dynamic and changing organizers. So that's, that's my big package way longer than you needed to know, but uh, no, I love this. This is an amazing response. Like you are doing it, Catherine. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay. So Laura, what about you? What from our gathering makeover conversation, did you apply? Had I known you were going to share all of that, I would have <laughs> gone first. So I wouldn't have to follow you uh, because I think you're doing a great job incorporating so many things, but I do have a couple of things, maybe not as cool as yours, but uh, I was uh, actually out in the field this week doing a presentation and facilitation with teachers and just coming off of our conversation last week, it really helped me remember some of those intentional moves that I wanted to make. So a couple that I just really wanted to make sure we're in place. We're really using those INGs. I've gotten to where I'm using icons from the noun project so that there is a corresponding icon for that ING that I'm putting on my slides to help me make sure that each of the activities or things that we're doing directly relates. And it's also modeling that. And like you're saying, showing the behind the scenes thinking for the participants in my session, just having that little icon reminder, and then really just using that timer, making sure that I am balancing the voices in the room, making sure I am not getting too wound up or too excited or too off topic and speaking only the X number of minutes I wanted to, and then making sure that there's timers um, for other people to participate in very conversations or activities as well. So I'm going to just jump under that umbrella of intentionality of design and uh, think that the results were, were good. So I was thankful to have that conversation with you last week to make sure that all of that thinking was at the forefront of my mind going out this week. Thank you for that reminder. I'm jotting it down with my pen and paper to add <laughs> that to an upcoming session that I'm prepping for. You had the icons on the particular slide pieces. So mm -hmm. this is my mm -hmm. connecting part, or this is my reflecting part. Right, right. And if it hit two of them, because sometimes this is a learning and a reflection, I would put them both on there. So yeah, it was, it was a good way to call out things that didn't quite fit and then make sure that uh, we are just saying streamlined in our thinking and really just trajectory of the day. So love it. Excellent share. Thanks, Laura. Yeah. So before I share my bigger current inspiration, I'd love to hear from you too. So Catherine, do you have a quick win or inspiration for learning that you want to share for this week? I am jumping back into your comment about hyper intentionality. So going back mm -hmm. to art of gathering and I'm also shouting out the tool I've mentioned in the first episode, read wise. I had a quote that popped up that I have not thought about in years from the book Embedded Formative Assessment by Dylan William. And this quote says, I suggest there are only two good reasons to ask questions in class, to cause thinking and to provide information for the teacher about what to do next. I want to hone in on those two types of questions in my sessions and take mm. away that fluff. So I know, Laura, we are really careful about doing check-ins and social emotional sorts of pieces. How are people doing when they attend our session? But I want to think more intentionally, okay, what am I doing with that information? That is good feedback for me. If I have a room full of stressed out people, it's October. <laughs> then yeah. 
then how can I adjust my instructions? I have thought a lot about making sure responses are informing my instructional decisions, but this was a really good reminder. And as I'm going through my upcoming sessions, I've really been thinking, here's a question that I want you to think. So I'm going to give them reflection time or give them a place to jot down those notes or this is a question for me to learn something from the participants, give me feedback, and I need to remove some of the extra fluff, that mm -hmm. simple recall or those kinds of things. So that question has really been keeping me super focused on more pieces in my upcoming sessions. I love that. And I think it ties directly into that hyper intentionality mm -hmm. and you mentioning like, Hey, if it feels like October in the room, where do we go next? Because it is October and it <laughs> feels like October. And so, uh, I, I really love that layer of thinking and also extra points for you for using a quote that popped up using Readwise. I'm just hearing connection on connection on connection, Catherine way to have looping and connected ideas. <laughs> as well. This season has been delightful for that. I, I may be now challenged. The next episode has to connect every single one of these pieces. I like it. It's oh, a big challenge. It I is. feel like I, you can, you can meet it. So we'll know. see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Laura, it is your turn. Let's get to it. What is inspiring you to learn this week? I am so excited to talk to you this week. So actually, I am taking a page out of your book of combinations and layers. Mm -hmm. So this week, I'm inspired by a podcast that talked about a book that inspired me to start reading the book. Uh, <laughs> and now I'm pretty stoked to talk about the book. Uh, okay. And so this is Ethics in the Digital World, Guiding Students Through Society's Biggest questions by Dr. Kristen Matson. Okay. Totally relatable with podcast and books. So let's get to it in 60 seconds or less. Laura, give us the gist of the book. Tell us about ethics in a digital world. Okay. But first I have to give two disclaimers. So first I would just like to say, I would prefer to have 60 minutes instead of 60 <laughs> seconds this time. So we will see how I do here. Uh, and then secondly, I haven't finished reading the book. So I've read about half of it. So I'm going to give you an overview and really talk about the structure and setup. So those are my disclaimers. I'm going to jump into my 60 seconds. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Okay, let's do it. So let's talk about the structure of this book. Each chapter covers a topic with a related ethical question to consider related technology and society as a whole today. So for example, access to information with the question, is it time to better regulate the internet? Or the topic privacy in the digital age, how much are you willing to give up? The chapters are organized using the same structure. There are discussion questions to consider, key vocabulary and definitions, background knowledge on the topic, and then a breakdown of the claims for various viewpoints to answer that overarching question. 
There's also a section included called In the News that has a headline and a quick blurb that summarizes a relevant example of each viewpoint claim in action from recent news. Finally, each chapter ends with a curricular connections section that highlights work that other teachers across the country are doing to create meaningful discussion and activities with the topic. There's a try this section and a QR code to access more resources and lesson ideas. Whoo, that was uh, that was a fast um, and maybe long 60 seconds, but that's the gist of the organization of the book. Okay, this this sounds like this could be a 60 minute discussion. Uh, Yeah. Okay, so first, why is this book inspiring you to learn? Yeah, so I have actually had this book on my desk for several months, but I I listened to the author Kristen Matson on a podcast and I was like, now is the time for me to pick this up. I was really excited about her hopefulness and good thinking about where we are in society today and not just focusing on the doom and gloom, which is definitely there. So the topics themselves are fascinating. They're relevant. And what I really like and what's really inspiring me is that they're broken down in a way that makes them understandable. So there's that background knowledge piece, there's balanced sides of thinking, and then that good overarching question is really helpful to consider where we go in the future. The kicker for me though really is these specific lesson ideas that make the book and it's kind of nebulous topics really accessible to teachers. Sometimes it's scary to tackle a big or tough or complicated issue, but the book and its organization does such a good job of consistently informing the readers about these topics and then really just specifically breaks down ways to engage students in productive conversation and deep thinking about the topics. So thinking about these huge topics, like you said, regulating the internet or privacy, those are tough things to handle. And I think that is exactly why we need a book like this to give us some tangible resources and ideas. And like you said, discussion questions. So is there one specific example, like a classroom application that you would like to talk about? Or there may be several. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to start with several and then hone down to one. And at the beginning of the book, Kristen says, rather than being mindless consumers or producers, we want our students to be critical thinkers, which is something that ethical conversations require students to do. And I love that because we all want our students to be critical thinkers beyond consumers, but I really like that she added, which is something that ethical conversations require students to do. So answering your question kind of in a broad way, at the beginning of the book, the opening chapters really break down a framework for discussion. And so she spends some time going through five ethical theories from philosophy over time, uh, kind of breaking down what that looks like, the value of that particular ethical theory, and then goes through an example of how you can consider a topic like cyberbullying to be taught using the various ethical frameworks. And so she says, possible solutions change when we take a new perspective or set of ethical values. 
And I really liked, first of all, learning or remembering back in college, like, oh yeah, I took a philosophy class. I think I remember this, but I liked that reminder of different schools of thought. And again, ethical frameworks to consider beyond my own ethos or my own thinking and how powerful that could be for students, particularly if it's a hot button or really complicated issue. We're kind of taking ourselves out of the picture and assigning students different ethical theories to consider this big topic through. And I really like the possibility that that opens up. She also gives another example where you can give students other lenses of consideration. And so when you're considering answering a topic like how should we think about our privacy online, you could look at it through the lens of a social lens, a moral lens, a knowledge and vocation lens, a health and wellness lens, and an environmental lens. And what I really like is there are sample discussion questions to ask students going through each of these lenses and each of these ethical theories. Kristen is a former English teacher and librarian. You can tell she knows students, she knows classrooms. And so really just that level of specificity when you're reading it and thinking like, oh yeah, I know students, this would work with them uh, is something that I really appreciated and like throughout each chapter. Is there a particular grade level or content area? Could you see this working in one of the classes or like our friend Nancy says, just embedding two minute discussions in your lessons or in the classroom? So that's a really great question. And I'm going to answer with a quote, actually, uh, in the, in the opening chapter, she actually says, there is not a single content area that should carry this burden alone. And this burden being, being teaching digital safety and wellness and citizenship and considering these ethical decisions. So there's not a single content area that should carry this burden alone, nor a single subject area that would struggle to find connections between these big questions and their content. So at the end of the chapter, when there are those curricular connections or specific discussion protocols, she thinks through a couple of examples like, hey, maybe you could pair this with your English texts, or maybe this could tie in nicely with your social studies lessons. Or if we're considering maybe the health and wellness lens, this is where a health or PE teachers could come into play. So to answer your question very vaguely, yes, that looking for these opportunities just to have these conversations, you know, embedded across contents, but also using the specific discussion questions, or again, um, idea protocols across content areas as well. Okay, this sounds like something every teacher needs to to have on their shelves. Is there um, something else that is inspiring you about the book? Or is there anything else that you want to share about either one of the lenses or one of the different big topics or big ideas? Uh, okay, so I actually have three final things that I want to say. I told you I, I had a lot. I have a lot. So you asked me for Cheer one. On. I'll, I'll give you three. Okay. Uh, so something that I also appreciated in the try this curricular connection section was it also ends with an alignment to the ISTE standards and specifically which standards are addressed 
with these sample activities, I like that there's a link to more resources and lesson ideas. So that's that's pretty cool. And I liked the tie-in with ISTE. She also kicked, I'm just thinking of all these tie-ins. She also kicks off the book uh, with a breakdown of the castle framework for social emotional learning. And so I like that it's really encompassing lots of ideas that we have talked about before and really just bringing this to a relatable classroom lens. So I like that connection to ISTE and SEL. The other thing I wanted to do was just give you a list of the topics and chapter titles because they're really interesting and uh, maybe it will inspire you to give it a read. So I already mentioned access to information and privacy in the digital age. We also have human bias. Can artificial intelligence help diminish human bias in decision-making? We've got the future of work. Is innovation helpful or harmful? Technology and mental cause or cure. And then finally, social media and society. Flashlight or flame? So I I love these topics and I love that kind of follow-up ethical question to consider. Oh, I'm so inspired. I am really intrigued by these and I, I, yeah, the future of work. And I I mean, all of those topics were making me want to dig into this more. So I would encourage you to check it out again. I had it hanging out on my desk and just was inspired listening to Kristen talking about her work and have found it's such an easy to read book. And again, has these helpful breakdowns with direct classroom application with those just good discussion questions. So the final, that third piece that I wanted to share is actually the end section of the book. I did skip ahead to read the (laughs) conclusion, uh, which is her closing and call to action. And I think it's just a great thing to hear right now, thinking about these topics and all that they mean. So she says, don't shy away from these conversations. Don't tune them out. Embrace the messy. Play around in the gray areas. Question your assumptions, not just in your use of technology, but in life. And then once you've gotten comfortable in the nebulous world of digital ethics, invite your students into a safe space where they can explore these tough questions too. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. And I loved that it just really echoes the design of this book. Like, hey, it's wild. Let me give you some information so that you've got some background information. You feel a little bit more comfortable having these conversations with students and then make sure that you have these conversations with your students. It's scary, but it's a good thing to do. And the structure of the book and the sample protocols, I think, is really making that set up nicely for teachers. So I'm excited about it. Well, our colleague and friend, Nancy Watson, who happens to be a real life friend of Kristen Madsen, facilitated a book study this summer over the book. And I'm sorry, I didn't pick it up at at that time, but you have definitely intrigued me enough that I need to get a copy. But I remember one of Nancy's book study questions referred to 
Kristen's optimism for the future of our digital world. Have you seen that? Or did you, I mean, even in your call to action right now, it says embracing the messy, but that appeals to me. Did you see that in the book? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in this initial podcast that I listened to her talking with John Spencer, actually, I mean, that is, that is the theme that optimism, that rethinking digital citizenship beyond the doom and gloom and permanence of your digital footprint, which are all aspects of being online, but really flipping that to, we have this amazing place. Let's think about how we're in it and why we're in it and the implications for doing so and being there and make it a good place for us. And so, yes, in a time that is wild, that optimism really shines through. And I think is maybe one of the reasons that I am excited and inspired while reading it. Okay. You have inspired me, Laura. I'm ready. I'm ready for the book. Yes. (laughs) All right. So as you know, we like to use the end of each episode as a place to launch further thinking. We want to challenge each other to apply what we share. So Laura, where do you think you will go from here? What might you incorporate um, from this book, Ethics in a Digital World, into your own work? So first I would like to finish reading the book. So that's my, (laughs) my first takeaway. And then I am thinking about a couple of things. And so since this is written so well for classroom application, I'm kind of thinking about making some intentional partnerships with the colleagues that I work with to make sure that this information is facilitated for the best audience. So maybe having a partnership with one of our ELAR consultants, or again, shout out to Nancy Watson, who not only does digital things, but library things, um, or maybe our social studies friends really doing some partnering to make sure that those specific audiences hear about this. Maybe some potential inspiration for a webinar or summer session to come. So stay tuned for that. But more tangibly thinking about her idea of using those various lenses for consideration as a discussion protocol. I really liked that it kind of just took our out of the discussion if we are thinking specifically through a moral lens or a social lens or an environmental lens. And so I think that I could modify that for discussion in other areas and think that that was a cool idea. So I'm thinking about doing something like that. Okay. It sounds like you've got a lot of good ideas swirling in your brain and colleagues be on the lookout for Laura to (laughs) tap you on the shoulder and partner with these ideas in the book. It's true. I'll try to talk to you for 60 minutes, but maybe I can get it down to 60 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'd also like to extend the invitation to you, dear listener, to share your ongoing story of learning as well. Take a moment to pause and think wherever you're listening from and consider what ideas have you heard today that have sparked your interest and inspired further learning about ethics in a digital world. Find us on Twitter at DigLearnRadio to continue the conversation and share your own learning that's inspiring you this week. This season, we're dedicated to sharing our learning and the things that are inspiring us. We hope that when we share, the conversation and ideas will cultivate curiosity and inspire you to explore one of the resources, reflect on a question we've asked, or continue the conversation with us online. 
Share your learning, inspirations, and ideas from this episode and beyond with the people in your circle, with us, or with a colleague down the hall. We are, as ever, inspired to learn from Gail Allen and her work in the new pillars of modern teaching. She reminds us that when we share, we add a sentence to the story we communicate about ourselves to the world. Let's continue learning, sharing, and transforming. Let's get inspired.